1: Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome back to Basketball Conference, the ACC Football Podcast. My name is Joey Weaver. He is Mike McDaniel. Mike, week six is in the books. Uh, how are you, sir? Did you have a good sports weekend? Better than yours. I called two outright
0: upsets this weekend, right?
1: Probably, yeah.
0: I, I, I told you, I said we're going to have at least two, is why I said on the preview.
1: That is true, yes. We
0: hit. We hit two.
1: That is true. That is very true. It wasn't well. We actually hit more than two.
0: We did, yeah. We did hit more than two.
1: We hit more than two. Um, none of them really where we thought we were coming from. Um, Mike, you should know. Um, I I had a great sports weekend. Um, I was able to finish the boys today. Season two it was a great show. Highly recommended. Mm-hmm. You gotta have a strong stomach. You know, it's kind of Tarantino esque, kind of some gore and strong language, but really well written. Great show um i'm drinking a margarita right now uh and life is good i got no complaints
0: yeah and uh you need to be able to stomach some gore when you watch the atlanta braves in the playoffs as well
1: i don't know what you're talking about
0: okay that's what i thought moving on no
1: idea um yeah so as mentioned on twitter earlier today uh, this this episode is about 24 hours late in terms of being recorded thanks to me being thrown into I would say the proverbial, but really just the literal pit of misery um, by the Atlanta Braves last night. So, apologize to those whose schedule this is ruined. Um, but we are still here. We are going to recap these week six games. And there was a lot, a lot that went on this weekend, Mike, that we need to talk about. Um, and as mentioned, Mike, you you called it. Absolutely, you did on the podcast coming in, was that there's going to be at least two outright upsets. and And we were looking at this coming in and thinking... All right. Well, obviously, th- there's one obvious one here, and this this game that we're going to start with, Mike. Let's just say this: this was not the one that we had in mind. No, that that's that correct. Florida State 31, number five, North Carolina 28. Uh, the Tar Heels go into Tallahassee and lose. Um, th- this game was kind of wild. There was a lot of stuff that went on, and I, Mike. Let me start by saying this, and and. You tell me if I am wrong or if I am completely off base here. Um, Florida State wins this game outright, had a big lead at one point. Going into going into halftime, it was 31-7. to 7. Yep. Mike, what I'm going to tell you right here, if you play this game ten times, I bet UNC wins eight of them. I agree. UNC was is the better team. They were not the better team on Saturday, but they are in general the better team, I would tell you that right now. North
0: Carolina was rattled in the first half, Joey.
1: They were a mess. Uh, rattled? Yeah. Florida State got easy touchdowns twice in the first half of this game. First drive of the game, North Carolina goes five plays, 18 yards punt. That punt got blocked, Mike, and Florida State re- you know, f- goes one play, 23 yards for a touchdown after that. That uh, was a Jordan Travis scramble, if I'm not mistaken. Um, later in the in the first half, it is seventeen to nothing, Florida State. Sam Howell throws one of the most obscenely awful, just terrible decision interceptions I've ever seen him throw. Florida State intercepts it in the flats and runs it right back into the end zone, takes a twenty-four to nothing lead. So f- what I'm saying is that Florida State got fourteen just easy points there in the first half. UNC dug themselves a huge hole and just had no way. They just. Well, they had a way, but they just weren't able to dig themselves out through the rest of the game, and, and that's how Florida State gets a win here.
0: Yeah. Um, ugly, ugly first half for North Carolina. So many mistakes. Um, that That's the thing you can immediately point to. Like, look, I agree with you. Like, when you say that North Carolina probably wins this game eight times out of ten, I agree with you. Um, when I told you that North Carolina was a year away from being as good as the national media hype suggests, this is what I was talking about. Mm -hmm. Like, they were going to lose a game like this this year, and not a lot of people believed it. Um, But, look, North Carolina was totally, totally rattled in the first half. Um, Jordan Travis went all Heisman Trophy on him on a couple of runs in the first half, had that ridiculous 23-yard touchdown run. Um, Early in the game, uh, you look at, you know, just the missed opportunities for North Carolina. Um, They had a pick six that obviously you can't have that happen. It was just a mess. Right. And Sam Howell looked all out of sorts, Um, just not really confident in his reads. He was holding on to the ball too long in the second half and specifically um, late third, early fourth quarter. He looked a lot better. North Carolina drops three passes on the final drive as they're going in to, um, at the very least, kick a field goal, but they were trying to drive and potentially win the game. You have three drop passes there that absolutely killed them. And it was one of those situations where they dug themselves into a hole that they just couldn't dig themselves out of. Michael Carter had his worst game of the year, 17 carries for 65 yards. Lucky for, and, and I, <laughs> that's his worst game of the year. Um, North Carolina... They were fortunate in that Javante Williams had a good game running the football. Um, He had 119 yards and 18 carries. And Sam Howell's final numbers look pretty decent. Like he threw for 374 and three touchdowns and a pick. But overall, this was not a pretty performance early. It got better as the game went on for North Carolina. But my major takeaway is that this was a team in North Carolina that looked a bit rattled Mm -hmm. early and they never really fully recovered. They played much better in the second half, and they calmed down. But by then, it was already 31-7, to and they had a huge hole to try to dig themselves out of. So really good signature year one win for Mike Norvell, Um, but North Carolina's a much better team. They just didn't show up to play.
1: Yeah. I mean, first six offensive drives for North Carolina, blocked punt, three and out, blocked punt, punt, Turnover on downs, pick six. That is a disastrous way to start a game, like and, real bad. And so you understand how, yeah, that first blocked punt and then a three and out, like it's this thing kind of compounded on itself. I think a little bit for North Carolina. Um, I I did think Javante Williams had a pretty good game. I mean, he he was picking up yards fairly consistently in chunks in the run game, and that was good. Florida State's offense in this game. they're not really at that point of consistency yet where you can really rely on them to pick up three, four, five yards per play anytime they snap the ball. But that talent that they have on that side of the ball, just the pure athleticism still shows with Jordan Travis at the helm, Mike, they are, they are putting together explosive plays here and there. Um, They are getting, you know, behind defenses. Travis is extending plays. They're, they're doing things to pick up yards and chunks at times that is at least it is enough to score some points when presented some opportunities and that's I think it's a huge development for this Florida State offense.
0: yeah, I agree. I mean Florida State two hundred and forty one yards rushing in this game mm-hmm. which I mean Jordan Travis adds that element to the offense that they've simply just didn't have before um which with Jordan Blackman mm-hmm. um James Blackman sorry. Um, having Jordan Travis back in the fold and having him kind of contribute in that way and having that rushing threat at quarterback is something that Florida state has been missing for a few years. They had that with Deandre Francois a bit where he had some wiggle outside of the pocket. James Blackman was just a total pocket passer. Like Francois mm-hmm. was athletic enough to, to kind of make things happen in the open field if needed. But Jordan Travis is the, is the first Florida state quarterback we've seen in a while to have this type of skill set like we haven't seen this out of a Florida state quarterback in quite some time. So he's real athletic. Um, His passing game is a little suspect. It's safe to say Um, he can make, he can make some big time throws. He can also miss some open guys like on passes where uh, look, I mean, if you're able to throw a deep out route with accuracy and we all look at, we're like, Oh my God, Jordan, Travis, you're the real deal. But then you miss a a guy in the flat, (laughs) Like, we need to clean that up. So that's why I see out Jordan Travis He has the capability of making throws down the field. He also has the capability of missing guys on swing passes out of the backfield. That's kind of where we're at with his passing game at the moment. So he needs to have some consistency there. Uh, But look, I mean, he's only a few starts into his career at Florida State, and he's been really good overall. So he can't complain too much. To, To get this win is a giant feather in the cap of Mike Norvell in year one.
1: I mean, watching again, watching this Florida State offense, you can see how somebody with Jordan Travis's skill set is probably a little bit better suited to run this offense given some of their offensive line issues, given that he is the most mobile guy they've had at quarterback since I don't know. He's more mobile than Blackman, he's more mobile than Francois, he's more mobile than Winston, he's more mobile than uh oh gosh, who was our guy that transferred in from Wisconsin? Um uh, oh, gosh, what was his name? I forget. Anyways, um, the guy who had negative career rushing yards. Yeah, he's more mobile than that guy. Um, the thing, like, yeah, you look at this. I mean, he's not he's not the most adept passer. You know, he's not going to sit back there in the pocket and throw it 40 times a game and, and just carve up a defense. He's not going to do that. But you look at the line in this game for him coming out of it. 8 of 19 for 191 yards and a touchdown and a pick. Like, that'll do. If you if you're registering what 19 yards of completion or something like that, like yep. You can you can deal with that a little bit, you know, get him and move him and move the pocket around and all that stuff. So all to say, I have mentioned before Mike, I think Florida State might be figuring a little bit of something out with Jordan Travis. I'm not going to say that there's some fully formed product at this point because I don't think no. they are. Nope. But I also don't think we can completely write them off, you know, for the rest of the season for what that's worth. So good win for Florida State. Their defense, I thought, stood pretty strong in this game against what is a a decidedly good at times, at least, uh, North Carolina offense. Uh, Marvin Wilson really leading the charge there, and that, that defense caused a lot of problems for the Tar Heels offense at a lot of times. So good on them, good win. I still feel like North Carolina is the better team, and this was kind of fluky in a couple of ways. Um so I'm curious to see where these teams go from here. North Carolina dropped, I think it was like 9 spots in the AP poll this week, probably to a more appropriate level.
0: Yeah, I would agree.
1: Um Florida State on the other hand, gosh, I hate this game they get next week which is against Louisville, and we'll talk about them in a minute, but Louisville's like a 4-point home favorite against Florida State. I was looking so forward to fading Florida State this coming week and Somehow we found the spot where I'm really not sure what I want to do with that. So anyways. Yeah,
0: I could totally see Florida State losing that game too. Completely. Yeah. Completely. How how do the how do the Seminoles handle success? Well gather around kids. No. I'm
1: just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> well, keep in mind Jordan Travis transferred to Florida State from Louisville. Louisville, that is correct. So that'll be an interesting little subplot going on. So anyways. Yeah, bit of a stinker for North Carolina. Uh Rough game for Michael Carter. Couple of bad moments here or there that really cost North Carolina the game. Um, good win for Florida State. Yeah, good win for Florida State. Didn't see that one coming. Knowles thirty one, Tar Heels twenty eight. Let's keep moving, Mike. Speaking of Louisville, mm-hmm. number twelve Notre Dame's or number number four Notre Dame twelve, Louisville seven. This was a bizarre game from in just very different ways than we ever really talk about games being bizarre.
0: Yeah, I'll say. Um, Wow. Okay, so let's start with this. It was real windy in South Bend. Mm -hmm. That seems important because neither team threw the ball all that well. Now, with that being said, neither team throws the ball all that well to begin with, and that seems like a really weird thing to say because Ian Book is a four-year starter in South Bend, and Louisville has Malik Cunningham, who, I mean... I I thought
1: he could throw the ball okay. I feel like both of them are worse at passing than they were last year. Isn't that a weird thing to say? It is kind of a weird thing. Like Um, Passing chemistry and timing and all that doesn't get worse as as units stick together.
0: Yeah. So Let's start with the Notre Dame side of the coin. The one thing that you and I talked about coming into the year was that Notre Dame was going to have to search for some playmakers on the outside. They have yet to find those playmakers, Joey. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, Ian Book had a really strong game against Florida State last weekend and then follows it up this Saturday with probably his worst performance of the season. He was 11 of 19 for
1: 106 yards. Extremely um, inefficient, just uninspired.
0: Yes. Now, I will say that his touchdown run that he had in the third quarter of this game was the reason why Notre Dame won and it was a super athletic play on the sideline. He kind of did a whole tightrope deal and dove into the end zone. It was super athletic and that was a big time play on a scramble situation. So good for you. Ian book Kyron Williams is the truth. Give him the ball more. I, yeah, and it seems, seems weird to say that because he carried it 25 times for 127 yards, but give him the ball more feed that guy, feed that guy behind a really good Notre Dame offensive line. Um, Notre Dame has no play, playmakers on the outside. They're going to get rolled by Clemson in a few weeks.
1: Yeah, no, yeah.
0: Yeah. Uh, they're kind of finding themselves on defense, uh, but I don't know how much stock to put in that because they just played a Louisville offense that was absolutely atrocious on Saturday. Uh, Malik Cunningham, Joey. So this was his most efficient passing game of the season. Ooh. Now, now
1: <laughs> oh, two no. sides
0: to that two sides to that coin. He was 16 of 19 passing. Pretty good, right? That sounds good. Yeah, except he only threw it for 132 yards at a touchdown.
1: That could be better, that's for sure.
0: That could be better. Uh, Louisville is a team, 96 yards rushing on 23 carries. Javion Hawkins, 15 carries, 51 yards. Credit the Notre Dame defense.
1: Yeah, not great. Mike, this, like these two teams combined had 14 possessions in this game. And, and for those who don't know, put it this way, Georgia Tech had 10 possessions in the first half against Clemson. Like, this was a game that got almost just dragged down into the muck from a, a pacing standpoint. Like, that is an obscenely low number uh, of possessions to have. And so to only have seven possessions, I mean, and, and the, the amount of emphasis that was being put on running the ball – the complete lack of tempo. I mean, it was just it was a slow, just slog of a game. Um, kind of just it was just strange, and I have to think that the the swirling winds played a pretty big role in that because, I mean, there was an overwhelming emphasis on the run game, and and to be fair, a couple teams that run the ball fairly well, but even on a day where neither team averaged as much as five yards per carry, like. It's not like you were running the ball because it was really working all that well. It's you were running the ball because you didn't want to pass it. Uh, right, right. So yeah, just it was kind of a bizarre game. I, I will say it was intriguing and impressive, and a couple of a couple different things there to watch Louisville's defense hang in with Notre Dame's rushing attack. Agree. Like Notre Dame wasn't getting a lot easy in this game, and that's a Louisville defense that we've kind of dumped on here for a couple of weeks now and, and all this stuff. and Not to mention was coming off a game where they gave up something like 460 yards of offense to Georgia Tech and all this stuff. Like For them to bounce back, go into South Bend against a bigger, more physical, more talented team and largely hold them in check and only allow 12 points, my goodness, that is a, a great performance from Brian Brown's defense.
0: I agree. I mean, let's be clear. Notre Dame did not play well offensively in this game, but let's also be clear. A lot of that had to do with how well Louisville played defensively. In my opinion, this was Louisville's best showing of the year on defense. They ran, I mean, schematically, it was really interesting. They ran a bunch of corner blitzes at Notre Dame, uh, specifically in the first half, which, you know, seems like a gamble. But when you're playing in like 25 to 30 mile per hour, wind gusts, and Notre Dame has receivers that aren't exactly all that imposing on the outside. And Louisville clearly wasn't concerned about that at all. They said, you know, we're going to throw corner blitzes. We're going to send heat. We're going to send pressure. And Notre Dame didn't really know what to do with that in the first half. It was almost like they expected Louisville to kind of sit back a little bit, knowing that Notre Dame had better playmakers on offense than Louisville had on defense, which is kind of what we expected as well. That just wasn't the case. Louisville was more aggressive. They went after Notre Dame's offensive line. Uh, They bottled up the run for a good bit in the first half. It really wasn't until the second half where Kyron Williams got going. Notre Dame's offensive line made a few adjustments, um, and the running game was a bit better in the second half for Notre Dame, but it was a struggle early, and a lot of credit is deserved for that Louisville defense and how they played and the effort that they put in on that side of the ball.
1: I feel like if you just look at the box score and you look at the final score... You would probably disagree with this, but considering the competition and considering how close and competitive and challenging just in general of a game this was, this was probably Louisville's best game to date. I would agree. Again, weird thing to think and say in a game that you only scored seven points and you lost, but, I mean, you lost by five to Notre Dame in South Bend. You got four sacks on Ian Book. You didn't really let him get to five yards per carry like – there's a lot of positives, I think, that North, that Louisville can take from this game. And so, again, interesting to see kind of how they continue developing through the course of the year. They've, they've clearly been a disappointment in the ACC thus far relative to kind of what we thought they would be a month and a half ago. But at the same time, I mean, it, it seems like – if you know what you're looking for, it seems like there's some development going on and they are going to be better you know, by late November than they were in late September.
0: The problem with that is that it's year two under Scott Satterfield, and this is going nothing like year one, Joey.
1: Yeah, that that's going to be the, the real kicker there, is year one was going pretty well by mid-October, and year two, you don't really want to have to wait until late November to be good.
0: It's going to be a little bit of a longer rebuild for Louisville. I think they exceeded expectations in year one, and now everybody's looking at year two like this big disappointment. This is probably exactly where they should be in this rebuilding process, quite honestly.
1: I. I'll disagree with that. I I think they should be better than one and four considering who they've played and some things. But, you know, if if we're just talking about this game in a vacuum in year two under Satterfield, sure. Yeah, no, this is good. This works.
0: The regression of Malik Cunningham is the one thing I'll point to and say that's a little bit problematic. Yeah. Um, So I think offensively they've taken some clear steps back from last year, which is weird because from a rushing standpoint, they're still doing Okay. Malik Cunningham being far more inefficient than he was a year ago, and throwing more interceptions and that sort of thing—that's a problem. Yes, but I think the team, the team as a whole, I don't think it's taken like a gigantic step back from a year ago. I think it's really resting on the shoulders of Cunningham and how he's played, or you know, hasn't played really to this point.
1: Yep, completely agree with that. Notre Dame twelve, Louisville seven. Uh, let's keep moving, Mike. A slightly higher scoring game. Number one, Clemson seventy-three, Georgia Tech seven. 7- Seven. Higher scoring for who? Just Clemson. That's just, correct. Um Mike, do you have any thoughts on this game before I uh, just dig in for a second?
0: Yeah, I mean Trevor Lawrence is gonna win the Heisman Trophy. I, I get the Mac Brown the Mac Brown. Well there's a lot of Mac Brown hype too. <laughs> Mac Jones, Mac Jones hype at Alabama because of the way he just hit at Georgia's defense. Um Trevor Lawrence has been putting up these numbers all year. Mac Jones has been pretty good. He hasn't been Trevor Lawrence. So continue.
1: Um yeah, I'll disagree with the Lawrence take. I'll I'll take Mac Jones at four to one or whatever to win the Heisman right now. I think what he's mm. doing and who he's doing it against is you know. No slight at Trevor Lawrence again. I mean, it's just that it's hard to win the Heisman when you barely play in the second half of any game ever, um, as we've learned in previous years. So there's that. Not if um, you turn
0: for 400 yards in the first
1: half. Yeah, well. Speaking of which, Mike, um let's let's just Quickly on this game, I don't have a ton of thoughts like on just generally like okay, Clemson blows out Georgia Tech. Yeah, we we knew that was gonna happen. Like Pause. Pause. I knew that was going to happen. You said Georgia Tech was gonna cover. Okay, it depends on how we define blowout for what it's <laughs> worth.
0: There were there were four touchdown favorites.
1: Now, in, in defense of my own just god awful picks this year, do you know who otherwise kept it within twenty seven against Clemson this year? Who would that be, Joey? Everyone they've played in the ACC, Mike. That's that's correct. <laughs> and that would correct. include Wake Forest and Virginia. Your pick, your pick was justified.
0: Thank it's you. Just that's easier. all I need to it's, hear. This is it's just funnier to shit on
1: you. I need that validation, Mike. That's right. Um. Yeah. No. That was really the whole thought it was not that like Georgia Tech is some like remotely comparable team in terms of quality, but more that Clemson had this habit coming into this game of deciding, well, we're up by. 28 points and it's late in the second quarter let's just go ahead and put in tyson foeman or whatever his name is um and the punter yeah that guy whatever his quarterback and you know put in all the reserves and that herb street kid and whatever and then we'll be you know what is cruise
0: yeah and the punter who's a former high school quarterback exactly yeah and so
1: if we win this game 41 to you know 21 or whatever who do we what do we care like we won the game and it's fine That was the thought on picking Georgia Tech plus 27 and a half, Mike. Now, let me just tell you this. I've got a major issue with how this whole game played out. And what's funny is that there's a lot of Georgia Tech fans that I saw on Twitter saying some stuff like, well, I have lost a lot of respect for Dabo today. Did you see they were just running up the score and that was disrespectful? No. That is the incorrect answer, Mike. Mike, you know why this game got so out of hand? And, by the way, the score was 52-7 to at halftime. Do you know why the score was that out of hand at halftime? Because Jeff Collins ran tempo on offense, Joey. They ran tempo on offense. They kept trying to throw the ball. It was an idiotic game plan if your goal was not to get embarrassed. If your Mm -hmm. goal was to potentially get embarrassed, good job. You did it. Mission accomplished. You did it. Yep. It was ridiculous, Mike. This is, this is the thing that like everybody knows about just general scheme and p- game planning is if you are badly outgunned from a talent standpoint, your goal in a game and the only chance you really realistically give yourself to win a game is to shorten it. You slow the game down, you minimize the possessions, you hope something random happens that happens in your favor so that it it like it maximizes the impact of that thing in your favor happening. And to that point, Mike, Clemson turned the ball over twice in the first half. We saw Trevor Lawrence, though, his first interception in ACC play in like a year. And they still scored 52 points by halftime. You know how that happens? You run tempo, you keep throwing the ball, you do a bunch of dumb crap, that enables Clemson to run short drives, you know, four-play touchdown drives, all this stuff. Then you can get into the element of, I think there's a little bit of quit in this Georgia Tech defense. Mm-hmm. And it's it's especially a little bit embarrassing because of how much the coaching staff loves to preach and preach and preach about effort and a culture built on effort and this effort-based defense and blah, 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 blah. Above the line. Above the line and culture and 404 and Waffle House and whatever. Effort is a big piece of it. And you know what? Your defense stopped giving effort before halftime because why the hell would they? Why would you give effort if they're just going to score anyways and then you're going to go sit on the sideline for two plays and then you're going to spike it or whatever dumb crap you've got going on on offense and then you're going to go right back out there and just get scored on again? Why would you give effort? Well, uh, I mean, I agree with everything you just said. Jeff Sims had a tackle. He did make a tackle, yeah. Um, I so I all to say, Mike. I, I look like as an aside, you got blown out by Clemson. Like that, that's fine. It, it is what it is. I don't, I don't really care in and of itself that you lost in in a game against Clemson that wasn't close. Like that's just you haven't beaten them since 2014. You might not beat them till 3014. Like it doesn't. It, that, that's not the point that you lost. It's that you were down 50. You gave up 52 points in the set in the first half. In a half, once again, where you generated two turnovers, like 35 points in the second quarter, you have to try to set yourself up to do that.
0: And I've, uh, I, I've seen some rumors floating around, so I have a question for you. Yes. Um, what is Dabo Sweeney's opinion of Jeff Collins?
1: Well, and that's the funny it's funny that you ask Mike because there's that's the other element to this and, and some of a little bit of what I'll mention was kind of backing up my pick is that uh, of Georgia Tech to cover is that Clemson in recent years I mean has been decidedly definitively better than Georgia Tech again since 2014, like they've won this game every year by several scores like it's not close yep. but the score in that in that time frame has never been this obscene. And what you did see in this game a little bit, you know, before halftime, a little bit, you know, midway through the second half, was going forward on fourth down and still running a little bit of tempo from Clemson. And you could say, well, it's you know, it's their backups, but you're still running their offense and they're, you know, using this as a practice now, whatever. Mike, there was something different about this game. And mm-hmm. there's just something that was just felt kind of personal. Mm-hmm. And from what I can gather, and it really all just kind of adds up, um, from my knowledge from years ago, Dabo Swinney and Paul Johnson are pretty good friends. They're good buddies. Yep. Dabo Swinney's first game as an interim head coach in 2008 after Tommy Bowden got fired. Was against Georgia Tech in Atlanta, and I remember Paul Johnson. It might have been Clemson, I forget, but I remember there was a conversation that Paul Johnson talked about that before the game at midfield. They're walking, they're watching their teams warm up, and Dabo Swinney walks up to Paul Johnson and says, "So, what are we supposed to be doing here right now?" And Paul Johnson just says, "Just look like you know what you're doing." That's it, you know. And it was clearly they had a little bit of a budding friendship. They played golf. They, I think their families went to the beach together in the off seasons. Things like this. Meanwhile, Mike, in the last you know year and a half, Paul Johnson retires and Jeff Collins takes over and there's been a number of just undeniably backhanded compliments to thinly veiled shots that Collins has taken at Paul Johnson's era and his tenure at Georgia Tech. And if I'm having to draw any conclusions from all of this, I'm just guessing that some of this was trying to knock Jeff Collins down a peg and... You know, I that's the best I got is this is a little bit of a you know, you want to talk a bunch of trash about Paul Johnson's program? Let me show you how trash your program can be, something like that. I don't know. Um, so that's that's kind of where I, I took some of this from. It definitely started to feel personal because again, Clemson doesn't do this to almost anybody, they can, but they choose not to. But yeah. The fact that they chose to in this game, uh, kind of got to tell you something. Yeah,
0: I agree. Jeff Collins doesn't really bother me, but I can see why he rubs some people the wrong way.
1: Uh, from my understanding, he rubs quite a few people in the coaching ranks the wrong way. Um, so this is honestly, this is not the first time this kind of thing has happened, and I just, I'm just guessing, Mike, not the last time this kind of thing is going to happen, especially for a guy who has a habit of getting his team into a game where they are clearly not ready to play.
0: Agree. Uh, I mean, hey, look at the bright side. Georgia Tech gets to play Clemson every year.
1: So where where where's the bright side come in?
0: We get to watch 73 to 7 every year.
1: <sighs> Can't wait.
0: Maybe the trade off will be the Braves go to a World Series, though.
1: I'd take it. I'd take yeah, it. Yeah, that's I I knew you would. See, whatever it takes. Look at that. Yeah, whatever whatever <laughs> whatever it takes. I, <laughs> oh man. I, that's all I got here. Clemson seventy three, yep. Georgia Tech seven. Moving on, Mike, number 13, Miami 31, Pittsburgh 19. Those Wiley, Panther, you-know-whats, <laughs> of course, managed to cover 13-and-a-half just mm-hmm. by the hair of their chinny-chin-chin. I'd say. Uh, Kenny Pickett announced out for this game uh, Saturday morning. You texted me saying, hammer Miami. And it's a good thing, Mike, that I didn't because I, sh- I would have lost whatever I put on it.
0: Um, yep. I didn't either for what it's worth. So that was probably smart on my part as
1: well. <laughs> not even following your own advice. There you go. Good
0: stuff. hammer, hammer Miami, but I'm not batting
1: it. Good stuff. Um, yeah, Pittsburgh collectively might be the, uh, Kobe Bryant Memorial volume shooter of the week award with their run game of 26 mm-hmm. carries for 22 yards. Yeah, we got, we got more where that came from. We later sure on. do. Uh, lots going on there. Uh, Mike, instead of Kenny Pickett, Pittsburgh had a quarterback by the name of Joey Yellen, who I believe I had seen as, in the past as Joe Yellen. And, Mike, I, I got to tell you, watching this game and watching Joe Yellen out there playing, and then they show a couple camera shots of him on the sideline and all this stuff, if you asked me in my <laughs> head to just paint a picture of what does a proper Yinzer look like, it is Joe Yellen. And so Foul at this them. point... Mike yeah. as far as I'm concerned, my man at this point is named Yinzer Joe Yellen
0: Yinzer Joe baby Yinzer Joe yeah, is right. he better is he better than Kenny Pickett
1: uh, yeah I mean like we we can make jokes about this, but he did average six yards per attempt in this game, which is kind of a steep order for Kenny Pickett in some games, oh God,
0: yes, <laughs> that is correct <laughs> um <laughs> god damn. <laughs> uh. Yeah, that's tough. Uh, yeah, Pitt so, opened this
1: game on a 12-play, 32-yard drive that ended in a punt, if you want to know yep. how the tone was set here.
0: Yeah, it was very uh, Pittsburgh-esque. Mm-hmm. And no, I did not say picturesque. I said Pittsburgh-esque. Um, very yeah, different. Very much different. <laughs> yeah, picturesque is watching wherever the hell Clemson did the Georgia Tech. This was different. Mm-hmm very different Um, but for what's worth Miami's offense didn't really show up either Mm -hmm. early on Um, three plays 14 yards punt Pittsburgh follows up three plays negative 11 yards punt Mm -hmm. so that was the first three drives of the game then Miami finally gets on the board um, with a GR King touchdown pass to Cameron Harris so a really weird game overall here I thought Miami played quite poorly yeah (laughs) I think this was one of Miami's worst games of the season doesn't entirely surprise me given what they just came off of with that Clemson game you get all hyped up for that you lose by a lot it's real disappointing and now you got Pittsburgh coming to town who all of a sudden lost their way um, early in the month of October and Miami's got to all of a sudden get up for that game at home after playing Clemson that's a tough ask Mm -hmm. tough ask
1: yeah, I mean, this, this is a game, as we mentioned coming in, Mike, uh, this is the kind of game coming off a pretty brutal loss, it, it, you know, in the week before in an exciting game that traditionally Miami would lose this game. And I will tell you, I'll be damned if 21 out of 22 guys in that Miami lineup didn't seem like they were ready to lose this game. They, they should be thankful. Derek King kind of saved them here. I'm going to be honest.
0: Yeah, and he was quite honestly the only reason they scored any points against Clemson last
1: week. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Um, so one man show. I mean, sixteen completions for two hundred and twenty-two yards and four touchdowns. Like that's that's the only reason that they won this game. And and even even with that, Mike, he had two interceptions, one of which gave you know pit the ball in the again it was in the flats. It was very much like that Sam Howell you know pick six that we saw from North Carolina. He threw an interception that was a horrific, just terrible pass into the flats that was picked off. Pittsburgh gets the ball on the one-yard line and scores a touchdown on a one-play, one-yard drive. Like, And that's where seven of the 19 points for Pittsburgh came from in this game. Like, yeah. Miami tried to lose this game in a lot of ways, and Derek King wouldn't let him.
0: Yeah, and he's just been... <laughs> He was really their only source of offense last week because they struggled to run the ball a week ago. And now for the second consecutive week, they struggled to run the ball again. Mm-hmm. And I don't think this is a Miami problem necessarily. I think they face two really good rushing defenses in a row. You mm-hmm. face Clemson and then you, you face Pitts. And, and Pitts, statistically, their rushing defense is better than Clemson's. Yeah. So... Look, I think it's a matter of running into two really good rushing defenses in a row because you look at Miami's early numbers this season running the football, and they were a lot better than what we've seen out of them the last two weeks. So I think they'll be fine. I wouldn't sound the alarms quite yet. But yeah, De'Ara King was a one-man show on offense, much like he was a week ago. And he was, I agree, the only reason why Miami won this game. He's also the, the reason why Pittsburgh scored 19 points and made it as competitive as it was, because Pittsburgh offensively couldn't do anything we mentioned the 22 yards rushing that's not going to get it done uh joey yellen uh 277 and a touchdown on 46 attempts only had 22 completions on the day so that wasn't great kobe uh yeah so real bad offensively for pittsburgh once again and pitts issue all year has been the fact they haven't run the ball well and now you remove kenny pickett from the fold who's not a great passer um, we joke about the efficiency of Kenny Pickett he is a better quarterback than Joe Yell and there's a reason why Pickett's the starter so not having him did hurt them in this game but I'm not even sure that they win this game with Kenny Pickett I don't think this is a situation where you throw Kenny Pickett in and he's the reason why they win he's pulled this upset before as a freshman we've talked about that in the past uh, but this is not this was not the type of game that Pittsburgh was going to win. They weren't like a quarterback away in this game. Joe Yellen played well enough. I thought um, to keep them competitive and keep them in it. But Pittsburgh's offensive issues run far beyond who's playing quarterback. They can't run the football. They haven't been able to for quite some time. And the receiver position has been kind of this up and down roller coaster all year long. There's just not a lot of consistency with their offense. I think it starts up front, Mm -hmm. protecting Kenny Pickett number one, and just running the football has been a zero sum game. Like they're not, they're not moving the ball at all right now, and that's a major issue.
1: Yeah, Uh, I will. I will say on Pittsburgh's offense, like give the the guy I want to give credit to is Jordan Addison. Eight catches Mm -hmm. for 147 yards. Good game. Yeah. That, that's a, a bright spot in a really dark hole of Pitt's offense. So credit to yep. him. He did a good job. The other thing I want to mention, and, and I don't mean to just totally dump on Pitt, and, and the thing that I want to mention here is I think that we have probably mischaracterized uh, Pittsburgh's defensive struggles the last couple of weeks. And what I mean by that is that we've been talking trash about how Pittsburgh's defense is suddenly not that good, and they've had their issues yeah, you know, like, no, no, you know, doubt about that. I think the thing that I have failed to point out is that they've had their issues in the passing game. Yes. Their secondary has quickly become kind of a mess in the way that I remember it being kind of early in the Narduzzi era where it, it they're having big issues on the back end. The run defense still very good. They are, you know, this is a good running rushing attack from Miami. And they bottled him up. Forty-two carries for 109 yards. Like, not a lot of teams gonna be able to do that against this Miami offense. Right. Agree. But passing, another story entirely. That's where there's some breakdowns in the back end, and I don't know if that's. I don't think that's a personnel thing. It seems like it's more of a scheme slash coaching thing. But uh, you know, I don't know. I haven't watched it that closely, but right. That's where this defense is vulnerable right now.
0: Yeah, and De'Ara King's passing numbers weren't even that great in this game, but it's just been kind of the running issue for Pittsburgh. I thought defensively this was probably Pittsburgh's best game that they've played Mm -hmm. outside of the football in probably three weeks. Um, The last couple of weeks leading into this Miami game, it's been a struggle. Um, Teams have thrown all over them. They just really haven't looked good, all that awe-inspiring. But I thought defensively Pittsburgh was much better in this game. The offense is just a nightmare right Mm -hmm. now, though,
1: and they really got to figure that out, Kenny Pickett or not. Yep. Miami 31, Pittsburgh 19. Uh, Let's move on, Mike. Your Virginia Tech Hokies, the number 23 Mm -hmm. Hokies, as it were, 40, Boston College 14. Uh, Big, big win for the Hokies here. Once again, I was wrong that Boston College was the cover machine, and apparently Virginia Tech is no longer missing people on the back end of their defense. So this turned into a blowout kind of quickly. Phil Dracovic throws a couple of picks. Uh, Virginia Tech absolutely runs it down the throats of the Eagles in this game. Uh, big win for your Hokies.
0: Yeah, shout out to Andrew Alex. He's a ESPN Blacksburg co-host and he's on a podcast that I'm on for Virginia Tech football, Hokie Hangover. So go check that out. Uh, friend, of show, yeah. uh, friend of the show, Andrew Alex. Yeah, friend of the show, Andrew Alex. will call him because he listens to his podcast avidly. Uh, he had this stat today. Khalil Herbert has more rushing yards per attempt through four games than any other ACC player since 2000, with a minimum of 40 attempts. Khalil Herbert's averaging 9.6 yards per carry right now, Joey.
1: More than, among others, Lamar Jackson. Yes. Dalvin Cook, like
0: some real good players. Um, Brandon Radcliffe in 2016. He had like a ridiculous start in September that we talked about pretty extensively on the show. Mm-hmm. So. This is one of those things where Khalil Herbert is quickly gaining steam against some decent fronts he's playing against, right? We talked about Duke's front seven being not too bad. We shit all over NC State's, so we'll leave that there. Um, But but we talked about Duke's front seven being not too shabby. North Carolina's defense going into the Virginia Tech game uh, looked like the best in the ACC statistically, but... That got exposed pretty quickly when we re- we realized who they had played. Boston College's rushing offense, which is bad, and they had played Syracuse's rushing offense, which is also terrible. Um, but Virginia Tech was able uh, this weekend against Boston College, another pretty decent defense in the ACC. It's at least you know the rushing defense is in the top half um, as far as total yards per play defensively. I think BC entered this game against Virginia Tech fifth in the conference and yards per play allowed. So this is a decent Boston College unit that got absolutely exposed by Virginia Tech's rushing attack in this football game. I think we're starting to get to the point here, Joey, with Virginia Tech that they're just going to run all over whoever they play. Mm -hmm. And that could be a bold statement because they have some pretty tough teams remaining, a la Miami and Clemson. I think we're getting to the point where Virginia Tech might just get theirs on the ground Mm -hmm. and then shut down everything else and see how you do. If there's a weak spot of Virginia tech's offense right now, it's the passing game. And I don't mean it as a weak spot because Hendon hooker can't throw. I think Hendon hooker is decidedly now the third best quarterback in the ACC Joey. I'm not sure there's any dispute to it with how he's played since he came back. Um, But we're in a position right now where Virginia tech offensively really good rushing team. The passing game has to come along a little bit. Virginia tech is kind of searching for playmakers to replace Damon Hazelton Hazleton and replace the shell of Trey Turner. Cause he has not been very good this year uh, for tech. He's battled some injuries, left the game early in this one as well. Um, but Hennon hooker had 18 carries for 164 yards, most rushing yards in a game since Michael Vick in 2000. So was he good? That's a Yeah. Was he a decent player? <laughs> that's a stat. Um, And then Hooker throwing 11 of 15 for only 111 yards and a touchdown. So that kind of speaks to the simplicity of the Virginia Tech passing attack right now. I think that I know that Virginia Tech's got one of the best offenses in the country on a yards per play basis. At least one of the best rushing offenses in the country. They're second, I believe, behind Air Force right now in rushing. Which if you're leading a couple of the service academies, that's pretty good. If you're only behind one of them, that's real good. And a lot of that has to do with the dual threat rushing of Hendon Hooker and Khalil Herbert. The question is going to be against teams like Miami teams like Clemson. When it comes down to throwing the football, can, can Hendon Hooker and more importantly, can these receivers gain separation so that Hooker can deliver the ball on time? Hooker's accurate. I'm not worried about him throwing the football. It's not a situation where I don't think he can make the throws to to beat you down the field. My concern is with Virginia Tech's receivers gaining separation in games where the the running game's bottled up a little bit. But we may be approaching the point in time where Tech's rushing offense just gets theirs, and if you're able to bring the passing offense along, that's all the better. Um, Defensively, they forced five turnovers, but tackling was a little suspect in the first half. It got better as the game went on. Uh, Dorian strong, Virginia tech starting defensive back. He's a true freshman. He's looked really good early. Um, again, Jermaine Waller was out of this game for Virginia tech. So that was significant, but Dorian strong has kind of pieced this thing together as a true freshman. You think about who the Hokies lost in the secondary, um, not only COVID, but just not having Caleb Farley who opted out of the year, not having Jermaine Waller. Cause he's had an ankle injury. He's been battling, um, throughout fall camp played against North Carolina. Didn't play again this weekend. So he's been largely unavailable this year. A lot of the young defenders in Tech's secondary have stepped up, and that's really helped. But Tech's got to tackle a little bit better defensively to give me some comfort because they only gave up 14 points, but BC shot themselves in in the foot a ton in this game offensively, Joey.
1: Maybe the uh, best praise I can give Virginia Tech's defense coming out of this game. Zay Flowers, seven seven catches, 57 yards, no touchdowns. Kept him in front of him. That's... That's a uh, that's a successful outing against this Boston College offense right now. Yeah. Um, I, I have kind of two just higher-level thoughts, really, about these two teams, and then we can probably just move on. Um, number one, about Virginia Tech. I mean, we've talked about how their defense is a little bit younger. It's under new management, all this stuff. If you have a run game the way that Virginia Tech's offense does – you can do that thing that I mentioned uh, you know, during the Georgia Tech game of you can shorten games. And and that's a little bit of what they did here. I mean, this was not a, a heavy possession game. Uh, we can count Virginia Tech and Boston College combined for nine possessions in the first half, not that many, uh, a few more in the second half, but a couple shorter ones and turnovers from Boston College kind of caused that. But if you can run the ball, keep the clock moving, shorten the game – a young, inexperienced, unproven defense can create a turnover or two, and that is a all of a sudden a huge deal. If if the other team only has the ball you know, like nine times and you turn it over twice, like that's a big deal.
0: Think back to the twenty sixteen ACC championship game. You and I did not give Virginia Tech a chance in hell of hanging with Clemson, mm-hmm. and Tech had a very good year that year. They had Gerard Evans at quarterback. It was a really good rushing offense. Might not have been as good as this rushing attack, but a very good rushing offense that year in 2016. Clemson was not nearly as good then, and they won the national championship. Mm-hmm. Not nearly as good then as they are right now. It's The program is on an entirely different level than they were. That was like the second national championship appearance for Deshaun Watson. Like They weren't nearly as good that year as they are right now from a program standpoint, in my opinion. I think Virginia Tech can go into that Clemson game and hang around for a little bit if they run the football well. I'm just going to leave that right there. I don't think they win the game. I think Clemson's far superior, but I think Virginia Tech has the potential to not get totally blown out of that game if they're able to run the football like they have against some of these other ACC teams so far. Ball control game is how you hang with Clemson. Georgia Tech learned that the hard way.
1: (laughs) To say say the least. Um, Yes. Now, Mike, on the other hand, I I'm looking at this and the more that I look at it, the more fascinated I get. Can can we like take a step back and take inventory on what Boston College is right now? They are intri- they are the most
0: intriguing team in the ACC to me. I
1: I struggle a lot with what to make of this. And and really more so I think that what we should make of this is that look at the record and a couple of these game results. I don't think they're realistically as good as a lot of these t- you know, a lot of people may may want to think that they are. And here's my thinking. You started the season with a 20-point win over Duke in a game where you were Mm -hmm. plus five in turnovers. Right. You then had a big come-from-behind win at home over Texas State. Mm. You then had a near-miss. It was a loss. It was close against a decidedly really sleepy North Carolina team. Right. Right that we've now seen two weeks in a row can be pretty nasty on offense, but in that game and in the Syracuse game before it was not all that nasty. Weren't in rhythm all that. Then you had a one point overtime win over a Pittsburgh team that uh what do we think of them at this point? Right. And now you got your blows your your blows your blows torn off, your doors blown off by Virginia Tech. <laughs> I'm leaving I'm leaving that in. I'm not editing that out. Please don't <laughs> So, you got blown the hell out by Virginia Tech, and you were 3-1 and one in a bunch of close games against teams that any decent team at this point probably would have beaten somewhat convincingly. What are the Eagles, Mike? They're
0: better than they were under Adazio, right?
1: You want a minus four against Georgia Tech next weekend? Nope. I don't think I do either.
0: Jalen Gill, I I hate to jump around and back to kind of BC's side of this coin. I feel like all I did was talk about Virginia Tech there because that's what I know. (laughs) Jalen Gill, uh, six catches, 104 yards and a touchdown. We talked about Zay Flowers Mm -hmm. not really being the guy to beat Virginia Tech, which it was clear they are trying to hold him down. They kept him in front of them, which is what they needed to do. They did not keep Jalen Gill in front of them. Six catches, 104, a touchdown. Jalen Gill, former mid-four-star receiver at Ohio State. Comes on over to BC with Jeff Halfley, and that seems like a pretty good decision. Yeah, um, I mean, now, 104
1: yards in this game was more than you know, more than doubling his season total in the four games previous. So right,
0: and I think overall, I, I mean, I think Boston College just got um, Virginia Tech from the from the rushing standpoint, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I think BC defensively has been a pretty solid unit all year long. I think where BC's issues lie are the lack of a running game, Phil Dracovic being asked to do a little bit too much. And if you get into games that are a little shootouty, you can't keep up because BC can't play this ball control game against the better opponents. And they can't necessarily keep up from an efficiency standpoint with Dracovic because either A, the receivers don't get open, or B, the offensive line over the course of four quarters just doesn't hold up. Mm -hmm. So. I think that's kind of where we're at with BC. I think they're better um, than they were under Adazio. There's more fight in them. I think Halfley is the guy. I do. I I wasn't sure about the hire initially. He's been good so far, and I like the way he's handled things. I you know, I hate to say when the press conference, but he's saying all the right things. <laughs> like Jeff Jeff Collins, right? Like he'll blow he'll blow you away with some of the stuff he says. It's just like, why are you saying that? You're you're just lost by you know nine touchdowns to clemson like why are you
1: well mike this is a this is a huge transformation biggest transformation ever
0: yes right
1: Mm. wrong i mean wrong it's a transformation but that didn't mean you got to lose by nine touchdowns (sighs) anyways please continue
0: i think that halfley is the right guy he's so he's so Different from Adazio, from the standpoint of he's not really that abrasive with the media, and he's not going to rub people the wrong way. He's going to have a, he's going to give you a good press conference and tell you what he's thinking. But he's not going to have this overwhelming cockiness to him. He's confident that his team is going to do the right things, and the process is going to be there, and they're going to do the right things to put themselves in position to play well. But it's not a situation at Georgia Tech where Jeff Collins is saying we're this, we're that, we're this, we're that. Then they go into the games and get blown the hell out against Clemson and they lose to the Citadel. Like, they piss all over themselves on TV, like, against UCF.
1: Mike, you, you done? You yeah. done? Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm I'm sorry. This turned into... No, you're this, not. You're not this sorry turned at into, all. This, this turned into me destroying Georgia Tech.
0: Um, <laughs> anyway, I think Halfley's the right guy at BC. I got a little rambling
1: i um eh, we'll see we'll see i i'm still a little bit suspicious of a guy who had a lot of success as the defensive coordinator at ohio state by simplifying because he had superior talent and don't make him think and all this stuff and now you're going into a place like bc where you're going to have maybe equivalent talent if that in a lot of the games that you play and some things i but you haven't seen him on the recruiting trail, and there, so there, there's a lot that we need to see still. I'm uh, very much still a jury's out situation with me.
0: He got Phil cove in.
1: All right. that's right. That's been an adventure so far, we could say.
0: He's throwing for like 300 yards a game. BC doesn't, hasn't had a quarterback. It's taken like 55 attempts a game. To uh, get I, <laughs> that's fair. <laughs> but, I mean, it would take you 55 attempts, too, with that running game. Well. Like, I mean... Look, BC has not had a quarterback to hang their hat on for a while, right? And Anthony Brown doesn't count.
1: Fair. Fair. Yeah. No, that, that I mean, and yeah. Like I'll I'll sit here and have the discussion of like, is Phil Dracovic like the best quarterback that Boston College has had since Matt Ryan? I don't even actually. I don't even think that's a discussion. Like, I think that's just a yes. Like, I think we the know answer that. is yes. Yeah, the answer is yes. We know that five games in, so that that's a good sign. And and I do think that they'll get better over the years as as Dracovic develops and all that. So yeah. Anyways, um, that's all I got here. I, I'm still very tre- like this is this is the one team I think in the ACC that I have absolutely no clue what they are or aren't. After five games of conference play. Like or well, four games yeah. of conference play and, and an out of conference game. Like I, I didn't think they were going to be all that good coming into the year. There has been reason to think that they would be, and now we've been given reason once again to think that maybe they're just not. So I don't know. We'll see.
0: Yeah. Let's see. Let's see how they play against Georgia Tech, because I'm with you. I'm not hundred percent sold they even win that game outright. And mm-hmm. then secondly, when you talk about Jerkovic being the best quarterback since Matt Ryan, put some respect on Troy Flutie's name.
1: M- <laughs> Mea culpa. Mea culpa. Yes. Hokie's 40, Boston College 14. Uh, moving on, Mike, two more games in the ACC. NC State 31, Duke 20. Wolfpack, I got good news and I got bad news. Mm, what's the good news? The good news is you won again. Uh, you're 4-1. and one. Really only the one bad showing against Virginia Tech. Otherwise, I mean, it's been a, a pretty clean slate and everything's been looking good. Now, can I deliver the bad news? You may.
0: Devin Leary broke his fibula. He's out for 48 weeks. That's not good. That's not good. Um, Bailey Hawkman is now the quarterback once again. Choose your own adventure. He's that, the more prepared also quarterback. That's not good. <laughs> He's the more prepared quarterback, Dave Doran told us.
1: That Allegedly. Yes. Yeah, Bailey Hawkman comes into this. So, yeah, Devin Leary is cruising through this game, looks pretty good. Um, NC, NC State had, had something pretty good going for a lot of this game, and then uh, Devin Leary gets kind of just – tackled awkwardly and it almost looks like his it looks like his ankle was broken or something by you know he got uh, carted off the field with like an air cast on his ankle never good yeah not a good sign um bailey hockman comes in runs that first drive you know fairly well and then after that it was a little bit of eh, eh, not really sure um anyways nc state gets this one done that's good they're four and one they're in good shape for now but i i mean this team has so clearly gone the way that Devin Leary has gone that I, I, I do not feel about I do not feel good about them offensively with Bailey Hockman calling calling the signals under center.
0: I don't either. This is going to be really interesting to watch now because like you said, this offense totally changed once Devin Leary took over. Um he should have been the starter all along. I'm not sure what gamesmanship was at the start of the year. Dave Doran trying to out coach himself. Um, now they're four and one, and they beat another. It, Duke sucks. <laughs> Just another really bad team. uh Chase Bryce, three more interceptions. He's decidedly bad at this point. He's terrible. What's he up to? Um, like
1: eleven interceptions on the year. Yeah,
0: yeah. We hyped up Chase Bryce. I I don't want to say we hyped him up as like this great quarterback, but we thought he'd be like decidedly better than Quentin Harris. Are we sure?
1: I mean, depending on how much, like, do you want to like split some hairs? Because we could probably look at the stat sheet and find some ways that he's better, but like the results aren't all that better.
0: That's why I am saying, like, okay, he's throwing for more yards, Chase Price, but he's mm-hmm. not exactly turning the ball over less. <laughs> so anybody would be turning the ball over less than this. I, <laughs> this is real bad. Goodness. It's gotten real bad. Yeah, um, we probably should have hyped up Phil Drakovic more. This is like I thought Chase Bryce was going to be like Phil Dracovic was like not this outstanding quarterback, but good enough. He has been terrible for Duke.
1: I mean, look at how terrible. much better Trevor Lawrence has gotten now that he's got some actual competition behind him in the QB room at Clemson. Oh, God. <laughs> oh, <laughs> God. Got him. Oh, man. Yeah, man. Anyways.
0: Question. Will Spires got in the game uh, for Clemson playing quarterback <laughs> as the he's he's Clemson's starting punter. Is he a better backup than Chase Bryce was to Trevor
1: Lawrence? Uh, there's a non-zero chance of that. Yes. So anyway. Can we stop talking about how Clemson's punter made it in the game as a quarterback Duke. against Georgia Tech. Duke. Please. Please just Duke for once. Duke can't Duke can't stop turning the ball over. NC
0: State was the latest beneficiary of that, and I'm with you, the jury's out on NC State's offense the rest of the way. I think they found an identity offensively running the football, and they, they didn't run it all that well in this game, but they kept trying, Joey. They really kept trying. And I feel like with Devin Leary out of the lineup, the emphasis on the running game is going to be all that much more important now. And defensively, I'll give credit to NC State's defense. They've improved a ton since that Virginia Tech game. They're playing better, They're not necessarily giving up, um, like, less points. But, I mean, you only give up 20 in this game to Duke. Um, this is the third straight game where they've given up less than 30 points. That seems like a low bar to clear, but it was real ugly to start the year. They gave up 40 points, in, or they gave up, I guess, was it, 42 points to Wake Forest mm-hmm. in that victory. And They gave up a ton to Virginia Tech in Game 2. So the defense is making some steps in the right direction. They're going to have to keep playing well on that side of the football, and the running game is going to have to continue to be important because I'm not sure Bailey Hockman – in fact, I know Bailey Hockman is not going to be able to carry them throwing the football 30 to 35 times a game. It's just not going to happen.
1: Yeah, no, the The, the opposing defensive game plan is very obvious until Devin Leary comes back. Dare Bailey Hockman to throw the ball. Right. Load up Stack and the box. stop Ricky Person, stop Bam Knight – dare Bailey Hockman to throw the ball and if you just Correct. do that you're probably going to win the game you'd be fine
0: agree agree so that's going to be the recipe to stopping NC State let's see if the rest of
1: the teams can do it yeah we'll see so that, that that's really I think all there is to talk about here there, there's a little moment that happened in this game that we'll revisit here in a couple minutes but um, we'll come back to that
0: yeah good news is Bailey Hockman threw a touchdown pass on that play we speak of
1: there yeah there's that um so NC State wins. That's the good news. Bad news. Might not be that many wins coming here in a little bit. And and by the way, just before we move on, last thing I'll mention. Um, we mentioned Devin Leary out for a minimum of four weeks. You know who NC State plays in the next four weeks?
0: who they play in, Joey?
1: At North Carolina, bye week, home against Miami, home against Florida State. Not not really like an ideal setup when you're completely missing the entire key to your offense.
0: I agree. But I, you know what? I think NC State can be competitive in those games.
1: Sure. At least the Florida State game. And the bye week think, game. You don't think they'll be competitive? Oh, the bye week game. You don't think they'll be competitive against North Carolina? A little bit? I mean, that's a rivalry game, so yeah, yeah. I mean, sure. Like, why not? Yeah. But I don't think they'll win, but I think they'll hold their own. for. A well, bit. And especially, I mean, I, I'm not sure how well North Carolina is going to defend the run, so you might all you have to do is just hand it off to Zonovan Knight and you know, rookie person 60 times and yeah, probably hang around in there. You'll be fine.
0: Yeah. North Carolina's defense is actually low key trash.
1: Okay. Wolfpack 31 blue devils 20. Uh, Let's move on. Mike, this is the game that of, of all of them, you know, there was, there's been a couple of like kind of semi head scratchers here to me. This is the game that for the life of me, I cannot figure out what on God's green earth happened in Winston Salem on Saturday, wake forest, our steam and dekes 40, Virginia, 23, what was this? Like what what happened here? Virginia was a two and a half point favorite. Felt like they could just like out physical Wake t- to no end. And then you say, "Oh, well, like what was the turnover margin?" I was, okay, Virginia was minus 3. So that's not good. Uh well, Wake was penalized 12 times for 119 yards. Uh, Virginia held onto the ball more like I this game was bizarre. I I don't know what happened here, Mike. I can't make sense of this. I guess Virginia's missing Brendan Armstrong maybe a little more than we thought they might.
0: Well, we found our second upset, didn't we? We sure did. There it was. We did. Um, Moral of the story, never trust a quarterback who wears number 36.
1: I'll write that down.
0: Yes. So, Lindell Stone, 24-42, 193 yards and two interceptions, Joey.
1: Kobe. Is Is that bad? It's not good, Mike. It's not
0: good. It's really not good. Uh, Kobe? Yeah. Um, (laughs) uh, Ugly, ugly, ugly. Now, I will give UVA a little bit of credit. They ran the ball well.
1: Yeah. No, they did. They did. Sort of.
0: 38 carries, 218 yards, two scores. How did you get Keaton
1: Thompson 10 carries in this game and not a single passing attempt? He's basically a running back by trade. I guess. Yeah. He's a running back
0: in this offense, apparently, because they do not want to put him behind center for some reason. Yeah. Which, I mean, they better reevaluate that if Brandon Armstrong's not back next week because I don't think Lindell Stone's the guy.
1: No. I mean, um, Mike, you threw the ball 42 times for less than 200 yards. <laughs> I don't know, man. Yeah. I don't know.
0: I, yeah. So I, I think Virginia's real problem in this game is they gave up nearly 500 yards of offense to wake forest. Virginia also goes four for 16 on third down. So they couldn't stay on the field. That's also a major issue. Um, I, I don't know. I mean, you can't turn the ball over against a wake forest offense that is going to get theirs. I, I would like to fall on a grenade real quick here, Joey. I think there's something clearly missing with wake forest offense without Sage Surratt. And we've talked about that several times on this podcast the fact they don't have jamie newman and the offense just kind of looks different yep they're still scoring a lot of points and we probably should have given them a little bit more credit than we have at least i should have given them a little bit more credit than i have to this point um they scored 42 points against nc state they hung a 60 burger on campbell which they should and they just put 40 on uva so They've hit 40 points in three out of four games, and the only other game that they didn't do that was against Clemson. So Wake Forest might be okay, Joey.
1: And and I've never, like, truthfully, like, I don't have any questions about, like, even with no Jamie Newman and even with no Cade Carney and take Sage Surratt and take your pick of whoever, you know, all the guys that are missing from last year, you know who's still there, Mike? Dave Clawson. Yep, and he seems to continue to figure it out, doesn't he? Yeah, he does, and and I I don't think that there was a lot of bones made about that. I think there were concerns of, you know, you probably take a step or two back with different personnel and all this, but there's also a couple extra steps back that are taken when you play some really tough defenses. But the problem is that when you go up against Virginia, and, and so, like, for instance, there was a, a – so if you look at Kenneth Walker – you know, Kenneth Walker, the third stat line in this game, he had 23 carries for 128 yards and three scores. That sounds really good. That's a productive day, he averaged upwards of five and a half yards per carry. The thing is, Mike, that 75 of those 128 yards came on a single run. Yeah. And so the other 22 carries resulted in, what, 53 yards? It's not that great. Volume shooter status. That's right. That's right, Kobe. Um, and and it's funny too, because then if you actually sit back and watch that play develop, what happens is he takes his hand off, and it was kind of this slow read option thing that Wake Forest has done in recent years. He takes the hand off, he kind of starts to skirt over to the right, dances behind the offensive line. You know, they're trying to just open up anything in this zone blocking scheme, and then all of a sudden he kind of cuts back to the left. And clearly, it, it becomes obvious that Virginia has kind of over pursued slash didn't really, you know, seal off the the backside of the play. He breaks one tackle and he's gone. Yeah. So so there were just there were a couple of like defensive blunders here for Virginia that caused huge issues. I mean, again. You look at Jaquari Robinson had a forty nine yard catch, Donovan Green, thirty nine yard catch, AT Perry, forty yard catch, Taylor Moore thirty two yard catch. Like Wake generated almost half of their offense in this game in like five plays. And that's yeah, that's not something that's just like, Whoa, man, Wake is so creative and good. It's partially like Virginia's defense had some screw ups and some blown coverages and this, that, and the other that enabled that to happen.
0: Yeah, the chunk plays killed UVA in this game. Mm-hmm. I mean, especially early on. Um, a couple of consecutive possessions were wake for it's just ate him up on chunk plays. Mm-hmm. And you can't have I mean, you can't have that when you're going into a game with a backup quarterback who I mean, let's face it, Lindell Stone's a redshirt junior and he hasn't played much for a reason. So when you're going into a game with a backup like that and a running game that's just kind of been on this roller coaster for the better part of a couple years, like when you're actually handing the ball to a running back. You need to be able to defend a little bit better. And Wake Forest offense was just too explosive for UVA. I can't believe I'm saying that with what Virginia had defensively returning this year. But Wake Forest offense was just too explosive in this game for Virginia. It really hurt him.
1: That's that's not a great place to be for the Cavs.
0: No. And I look, they gotta get Brian Armstrong back, but I think this could <sighs> I had some hope for UVA that this wouldn't turn ugly. I think it might get ugly.
1: Kind of kinda slowly turning ugly here. Yeah. Yeah. So not
0: a not a referendum on Bronco. It'll be fine. This is a one year lull. This is a clear gap here. Yep. And I'm sure they'll win some games that we're not necessarily expecting them to on paper after watching him get just dogged by Wake Forest in this game. Yeah. But I, I think we'll get to a point where you've with UVA where it ends up being just kind of an average season, which yeah.
1: is kind of what we expected. That that that's fine. That happens. Yeah. Yep, you're not Clemson. You don't get to win ten games every year. That's fine. No, you barely win six every year. So, <laughs> all right. Well, that's the Virginia Tech fan that said that. Um, uh, yeah. <laughs> anyways, Wake uh, Forest forty, Virginia twenty three. It's um, just so
0: much. It's just so much fun, Joey. It's lot,
1: just so much fun. Lots going on. You're having a big old time with this season. I can tell. <sighs> it's a mess. Liberty thirty eight, Syracuse twenty one. Uh, Mike, we told you so. We did. That was an easy bet, huh? It was a pretty easy bet, and I look, I don't have a lot of analysis here. I'm not going to lie. I didn't sit down and spend three hours watching this game, but what I can tell you, Mike, I think Syracuse is done. I think yeah. we're about done here. Yep, we're, we're
0: done here. Let's wrap it up. Um, we talked about no more Tommy DeVito. We talked about no more Andre Cisco, and the Rex Culpepper experience was just that. It was an experience. It was bad. It, it it was. It's weird because his stats like he, like just at face value he threw for three touchdowns, he had one interception um, he had 211 yards passing and then you look over at his completion percentage, he was 19 for 40 passing, Joey. That is not good. Nope. Nope. Um, Syracuse has some serious problems defensively. Liberty runs for 338 yards in this game. They throw for 182 more. Um, <laughs> Malik Willis 16-20, uh, 182, and a touchdown. That name sounds familiar, doesn't it, Joey?
1: It sure does, and I keep trying to figure out where that's from.
0: Hmm. Where would that be
1: from, Joey? Was it Virginia Tech?
0: He's a former Virginia Tech commit.
1: Okay, I thought so. I, I, if, yep. And he's from Atlanta, so that's part of why I know him, too.
0: Yep. Anyway, um, uh, really rough outing for Syracuse. Defensively, It's
1: uh, they're done. Yeah. No, done but, so. Orange are cooked here. Um, yeah. and for what it's worth, I mean, Syracuse, like th- this game was competitive and close going into halftime. Um, I mean, it was, it was tied with, you know, 20 minutes into the game. It was 14 all. And and then just from there, just kind of spiral it out of control. It went from 14 all to 35, 14, you know, by the time that the scoring kind of ended, I it just... Syracuse is done here, um, and, and and I mean I don't know if they'll win a game the rest of the year. Frankly, Clemson, Wake Forest, Boston College, Louisville, NC State, Notre Dame, like they're not going to be favored in any of those. No, I, I mean they get Wake at home, they get Boston College at home. I mean, if Devin Leary's healthy by Thanksgiving, when NC State joins, they won't be favored there. Like
0: now, I mean Bailey Hot, I mean they'll be uh,
1: Syracuse won't Bailey be favored Hawk. there.
0: Yeah, like Bailey Hawkman and NC State will be favored by probably four or five points in that game.
1: Yeah, maybe. I um, this is going to get bad for Syracuse. So cover your eyes. I it, it just becomes, we'll we'll have this conversation in the off season. I especially with finances this year, it's all going to be weird. But this is the kind of year that I I think this is kind of where Dino Babers singing his swan song at Syracuse. Uh oh, rut row. Yeah, so that that took a turn. Yeah, not good for the orange. Uh, it's I don't think it's gonna get better. We'll see. Seems like a, a just a total lost year, a, a total mess here in year five for Dino. And I, I hate it for them. I I really loved that team two years ago. They were a lot of fun to watch and they were good and they they won a bunch of games and all that stuff. And so I I was thinking hoping that they could recreate that either last year or this year. And it's just it has not been the case or anything close to it. And I, it might be time to move on.
0: When your good year feels like an aberration, maybe it was more about the quarterback you had than the coach you have. So,
1: Love you, Eric Dungy. Yep. Love you.
0: We thought we loved you, Dino Babers, <laughs> but maybe not.
1: Well, and, and as we've talked about before, Mike, um, how much of this is a Dino Babers problem versus a Syracuse problem? Uh, Dino Babers' biggest mistake was taking a job at Syracuse. That, uh, Whew. What's... Let's uh cut that little audio out and reuse it at some point, because I don't think you're wrong.
0: I think I'm actually correct, because I don't think Dino Babers is that bad of a coach. How's that for a take?
1: I think he's actually a pretty decent coach, and yeah, I think this is a bit of a Syracuse problem, and so yeah. anyways, um, while we're in the middle of our week six recap, we'll just kind of move on from that That, uh, big big conversations need to be had about Syracuse at this point I agree I
0: agree let's put an easter egg in that one
1: that's right that's right Liberty 38 Syracuse 21 Mike that's all I got on week six you want to give out some awards let's do it the go ACC moment of the week it was you know it's, it's always fortuitous for us Mike as podcasters and as people that truthfully pulling back the curtain a little bit inside baseball we don't get to watch every second every play every minute of every single game every weekend Mm-hmm. is that fair like we just tell people that to be honest i mean you're married you have a kid yeah i'm
0: going to be married um, within the next eight months eight so
1: football games in a weekend like i can't watch every single one of them yeah i watch a lot of football i can't watch all of them right and so what's extra fortuitous mike is when you are watching a game live and you see something happen and you're like oh found it that was it Mike, the Go ACC moment of the week happened. I was watching on my phone as I was also watching the Braves not win Game Six of the NLCS. Mm. Um, the uh, the NC State Wolfpack playing against Duke. Uh, Bailey Hockman has just recently, in the last you know five or six plays, come in to relieve the injured Devin Leary. Wolfpack's got the ball in about the five yard line. Uh, Hockman. Takes a snap, rears back, and throws to the left side, back towards the corner, trying to score a touchdown. And Duke defender jumps up. He has got the pick. It was a terrible throw, terrible decision, all this stuff. And then the ball goes right through his hands and pinned onto the helmet with one hand of the NC State receiver. It was If you can find a way to go watch this replay, I'd recommend doing it. It is a bizarre play. Like, it was... If you just watch it in real time, you're like, oh, it was an interception, and then all of a sudden the ref's got his hands up and it's a touchdown? Like, what? Go ACC to you, defense. Well done. You almost had it. Thayer
0: Thomas, unbelievable catch on the receiving end of that. The next great slot receiver
1: in the ACC. Go ACC to you. Uh, Everybody there. Everybody involved. Well done. Good stuff. Uh, Mike, the Brian Van Gorder Memorial you tried award this week goes to Georgia Tech. (laughs) Why is that, Joey. Do you need an explanation here? I've only explained it the entire podcast. Uh, you gave up fifty-two points before halftime. You set yourself up to give up fifty-two points before halftime. Uh, you gave up, I think, a touchdown drive to the backup punter at quarterback. Um, I do. I need to keep going. It was a done? Brian
0: Van. It was a Brian Van Gorder esque performance <laughs> by the Georgia Tech defense.
1: Brian Van Gorder is insulted by that. <laughs> mm, hmm. hmm. Georgia Tech's defense might have been better off under Bryant. But anyways. Okay. The okay, Kobe that's Bryant a, Memorial. It, that's <laughs> the that Kobe, is a take, Joey. Yeah, no kidding. The Kobe Bryant Memorial Volume Shooter of the Week Award, Mike. We mentioned a couple of candidates here. And and we mentioned the Pitt offense in general, rushing the ball as a candidate. Um, we have a more specific candidate there as the honorable mention. But just in general, Mike, the the individual award winner this week has got to be Virginia quarterback Lindell Stone.
0: Yep, number 36, Lindell Stone, Joey. It was not great for your
1: boy. Just a big ol' yikes. Uh, 24-42, 193 yards. Mm. How you attempted 42 passes and came away with less than 200 yards is really something. It was bad. Shoot or shoot, Mike.
0: Yep. That's... Uh... They found a way to lose to Wake Forest by more than two scores. So,
1: honorable mention Mike, the uh, the law firm of Davis and Davis had a a little bit of a brutal week for Pittsburgh as Vincent Davis comes away with nine carries for no yards
0: with a long of 8 yards. He had an 8-yard carry in there. He also had one reception for 10 yards, Joey, which if you're doing the math at home, that's 10 touches for, for 7, seven yards. yards. Yeah, not yep. great. Yes, not in,
1: good. in other words, you had nine carries. One of them went for eight yards. The other eight went for negative eight yards. Yep, not and you good. had
0: one catch, one catch for seven.
1: Yeah, so so real bad. Kobe to that. Kobe. Uh, Mike, who's your team of the week? Florida State. That's a good pick. It's a good win. Good win for the Knowles. Uh, yeah, Georgia, Georgia Tech was a close second, but had to go with Florida State. Oh, I was thinking about going with Liberty oh crap liberty
0: liberty liberty
1: <laughs> big fan of the limu emu over here by the way yes
0: we'll
1: uh, yes. Emu. Uh, no let's go with uh yeah let's go with florida state that's that's got to be them they're the ones that kind of pulled off the real shocker here um a little, a little honorable mention to wake forest well done
0: yeah yep 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 yep
1: yeah uh, was player a, of the
0: week sur- surprise if florida state won that game player of the week yeah um Uh, Player of the week for me is Hendon Hooker. 164 yards, three touchdowns on the ground, 111 more through the air and a touchdown pass. Uh, He was really good. Honorable mention is his teammate, Khalil Herbert. 18 carries, 143 yards, continues to light the world on fire running the football. for That dude is
1: ridiculous. He's nuts. Ridiculous. Um, I'll give player of the week for me to Jordan Travis. I mean – Nice. It it wasn't perfect. It wasn't always efficient, but he made a lot happen uh, and and really was the thing that kind of kept Florida state in the game and, and gave him a big lead and all that stuff. So um, yeah, we'll give Jordan Travis the, the uh, player of the week award for me. Uh, I mean, there were a couple of really good individual performances that went on here as well. Um, I I mean, I will say Javante Williams in that game as well for North Carolina was really good. Uh, Kyron Williams for Notre Dame continues to be really good. Uh, Jordan Addison for Pittsburgh was awesome this week. So, lots linebacker, of, lot, what's
0: that? Linebacker Max Richardson for Boston College had 15 tackles.
1: That's that's a lot. That's yeah.
0: Good. <laughs> Virginia Tech's Jamari Connor he won defensive back of the week in the ACC. He had 11 tackles. Mm-hmm. So some good defensive performances as well.
1: Yeah. So big weekend for for a lot of those guys. So that's our players of the week, Mike. That's all I got. Anything else in Week Six? I think we're good, man. Think so. Let's get out of here and uh, go watch or go, come back and preview week seven. In the meantime, y'all can find us on Twitter. I am at FTRS Joey. He's at Mike McDaniel VT, and together we're at BC Podcast ACC. Y'all can send us an email with questions, comments, concerns to the longest email address known to man, basketball conference podcast at gmail.com. Nailed it. Thank you. Uh, you can find us on iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher Breaker, the Overcast app wherever find podcasts are sold for free. And uh, Mike, you want to tell them where they can find us on the social medias,
0: Facebook, facebook.com slash basketball conference rate review, find all of our podcasts there, Joey,
1: please do. Please do appreciate those. who have, uh, Mike, anything else
0: on a week seven in the ACC big preview.
1: That's right. That's right. Going to be a big week. Um, really interesting slate. I think, um, once again, a very full slate. So th- it'll be fun to talk about and preview, but, uh, Mike, we will come back here in a couple days and we will do that. Yep. So, all right. Well, until then for Mr. Mike McDaniel, I am Joey Weaver. We will talk to you again soon. Until next time, go ACC.